Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I've really wrestled with doing this series. It's been on my heart for about two years, but I was like, really, what we're experiencing right now uh, has, you know, it's, God is just moving, and we just really want to lean into that. And kind of the, the idea of this of this series is kind of heady. You know, it's a really knowledge-driven. And I, th- I think sometimes as charismatics, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll base everything upon feeling. And the problem is, is whenever feeling's gone, because feelings come and go, just like if you've been married for 18 years, sometimes it feels awesome and blissful, and sometimes there's nothing. You feel nothing, and you feel numb. Well, what do you have the foundation? Well, your foundation in a marriage is in your vows. It's in your commitment. It's in your devotion. It's not in your affection. It's in the, the, the vows that you made before God. That is what a marriage is built upon. It's not built upon a feeling. And so what I want to do during this series, I, I want to help develop some anchors and some clear thinking for you to navigate reality. Because, because sometimes we're not, it, it's not always going to feel like it does today. So what are you going to do when you don't have the feeling? And so if you don't have some foundational tools, just like in a marriage, you need to have communication, right? If you don't have that, then your marriage is going to fall apart. And in, in, the, in your faith, in your walk, if all you have is experience and you don't have any anchors, then what's going to happen is once things get difficult, you don't feel a certain way, then you're going to drift. And we've seen a lot of people, we've all known people that have, that have done this. I, I, I'm, I'm sad to say there's more people I know that started well that aren't doing well now than there are that started well and they're still going. And that's, that's sad. Jesus told us it'd be about 25%, right, in the parable of the sower and the seed. Well, that's low. And so what we want to do is we want to get that number up as much as we can. And so the, the other thing is, is I want to give you some, some rationale uh, for you to carry some 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 tools in your toolbox that you can teach your kids, that you can bring to the marketplace of ideas. Did you know that you have a good idea to bring to the marketplace of ideas? And a lot of Christians are afraid of the marketplace of ideas because they're not secure in what they believe, because they have no anchors. They've got experience and that's it. Well, that's completely subjective. That doesn't help anyone else. And we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to bring the light. We're called to bring the Lord. We're called to advance the gospel. Well, you can't do that if all you have is, is a subjective experience. And so, there's, listen, there's all kinds of ideologies. There's, there's all kinds of ideas. Not, nothing's new, by the way. But there's all this stuff that's, that's coming to destroy Christianity. And many people now, because of social media and all these platforms, now we think, well, we've got all these people that are deconstructing. Listen, they've been deconstructing since, since, since the beginning of this thing, you know. I mean, Judas deconstructed, you know. <laughs> Peter was starting and then reconstructed. And so people have been deconstructing since the beginning. And what are you doing to to, to secure your faith so whenever you get to that place where you're wrestling with reason and truth, are you going to conform to that? Are you going to say, well, the feeling's not there anymore, so I'm going to depart? So deconstruction is nothing new. It's an old problem. Jesus prophesied a problem. He said that the the, the love of most will grow cold. (laughs) Whoa. It's a lot. Most is a lot. 
So um, I want to remind you that we are the salt of the earth, that we're commissioned not to just hold to the teachings of Jesus, to, but to advance them. And so some of us think, man, I just love Jesus, Jesus. Listen, he didn't just call you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He also called you to love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor means advancing the gospel. If you're, listen, if, you're, if your neighbor is unsaved, it's your job through the power of the Holy Spirit, come on, to bring them into the kingdom of God. We've got to see that. It's our job to advance the message of Jesus. Listen, you wouldn't be here today. You would not be in this room today if someone wasn't advancing the gospel. Maybe there's someone here and God appeared to you in a dream, but that is rare. Usually it's from the proclamation of the gospel. So I, I do want to set some, some, some things in line. First of all, I am not an expert. I am a student. I am learning. I am growing. I am not like a like a great apologetics guy, like I'm, I'm learning apologetics, I'm, I'm learning to defend my faith better, I'm doing better, trying to do better as a pastor to equip you to give you tools and all those things. I am not an expert, I am just, I am just a student. I would say that I'm a blue-collar apologetics guy. Like I know some things, I, I'm not white-collar, I don't have all the terms and not be able to talk, talk over your head, but that's okay because most of the people that you're running around with, and most of the people you're meeting at work, they're not white-collar in their beliefs either. They're just kind of blue-collar, they're working, they're doing a grind, they're trying to get by. And what I want to do is I want to help you and, and introduce you to some things if you are the white collar, because I, I think that many of you are in that category. But, but most of the people you're going to run into, they're not going to understand a lot of the terms that we even talk about in this room today. So I, I want to help you with all of that. Now, a lot of my education, when I say I'm a student, you say, oh, you're a student. Yeah, I haven't got any kind of credentials in this at all. But I have been studying really apologetics for about uh, tw 20 years. So in 2022, I started listening to this podcast called Stand to Reason. I was already always kind of liked apologetics, and there's this guy by the name of Greg Kokel that leads this ministry, and their whole ministry is 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 developed around clear thinking Christianity. Now you don't hear that term too much in charismatic circles, right? <laughs> clear thinking. We think we think encounter the reality of Jesus. Yes, that's what we want. We want an encounter because you can have all the head knowledge, and if you don't encounter the truth, it doesn't change anything either. But you also need to encounter the the reality. You need to know the facts. You need to know the data. data. So Greg, this guy Greg Kokel, has been a huge influence in me in my in my life. Read a lot of his books, and so last weekend Judah and I went to this conference that they were having up in Allen, and so we. Got in the truck, we went up, we stayed in a hotel, and Judah and I went to this apologetics conference. It was a student apologetics conference, and Greg was there. And so I got to meet Greg Kokel, like one of my heroes in the faith. He was there, and I got to talking to him, and I was like, hey, I was like, man, I, I listen, I don't get st starstruck at all. I mean, you can introduce me to any celebrity, and I'll probably be like, hey, they're just people, but, uh, you know, their feet stink. And so, but, but Greg, it's like, man, he's like, he's like one of those guys. He'd be like Bill Johnson and, 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 and Greg Kokel. Those are like the two guys I'd want to meet. And so there's Greg. He's walking by, and I'm like, oh, and I was like, there's the man. <laughs> like, that's what I told him. I was like, there's the man right there. And so I went up, and I introduced myself, and I was kind of fumbling over my words, and I was kind of nervous, and, you know, like a, like a 12-year-old. And, um, and I told him, I said, hey, I want you to know I said, I am a 47-year-old, and he was like, what, what? And I was like, yeah, come on. He's like, I thought that was your little brother. I was like, yeah. And so he's like, I, was like, I said, I'm a, I, that's exactly what he said. He said, I, I, but I told him, I said, I'm a 47-year-old charismatic pastor because most of the people that are into apologetics aren't charismatics. 
Okay, and so I said, I'm a 47-year-old kid, and I wanted him to know, like, you're not just influencing Baptists, you know, or Methodists. You're influencing Pentecostals, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, praying for sick people, preachers, you know what I'm saying? And so I wanted him to know that, that he's been a huge influence in my life. So I just told him, and he's like, charismatic, like, lower C or capital C? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, but, but capital C. He's like, well, and he, he made this statement. He said, most charismatics aren't into apologetics. They're really into feeling. And I was like, absolutely. But I want to make sure that the people that, that are in our church, the people I'm leading, that they are able to think clearly about their faith. And we are not just all about emotions. And this is the fact. This is the fact about that the world thinks about Christians. The Christians are irrational, that we're ignorant, obviously that we're mean-spirited, but really that we're not, that our faith isn't rooted in reason. And that, might, that may be true in some cases. However, the Christian worldview, the teachings that we hold to, are not irrational. They are not ignorant. They are rooted in reason. They are rooted in truth. I will also say this. There are a lot of non-rational atheists and scientists, come on, and people that don't believe in God and people that aren't Christians so don't, we, we want to be careful that we don't, we don't lock into these, these mindsets and we don't allow the world to make these accusations and they be true. Because I don't want that to be true about me. I don't want people to look at me and say, you know what, Josh is, man, he's super devoted to Jesus, but it's kind of like a fairy tale. He's experienced some things, but he doesn't really know anything. And so... I also want you to understand this, never mistake foolishness and deception. Because a lot of people are very, 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 very smart, but they're deceived. And you can't smart your way out of deception. You can smart your way into deception. This is the problem. This is the problem. 75% of our children... Our young people, when they go off to secular universities, 75% of them will abandon the faith. It's exactly what Jesus said when he talks about the parable of sowing the seed. Or we read a Bible and we don't like it anymore. We recognize, oh, it's true, but I don't really like that part. Listen, can I be honest? There's a lot of things in the Bible that I struggle with, especially the part about dying to myself. <laughs> that part's really hard. I don't like that, but I don't throw it away. I know it's the truth, and we'll, we'll be devoting a week towards that. And what I want you to do is I want you, believer, is to learn to think critically. However, you don't get a critical spirit. And that's very difficult to do because most people that become critical thinkers, they develop a critical spirit. How do you keep a tender spirit but be a critical thinker in the presence of God, in spirit? Truth will, will cause you to think critically. The problem is, is we've taught people what to think. We haven't taught them how to think. And this isn't just something for Christianity. This is what the universities are doing. This is what the media is doing. They're teaching you what to think. Careful, beloved. Careful what you see. Careful what you read. The media is out. Are they, are they specifically targeting Christians? Yes. Because they hate the truth. And to admit there is a God is to admit that they are accountable to him. 
And so is it is there is there an underlining it, it might not be overt but yes absolutely there is an onslaught against Christianity classical Christianity. Listen there's some messed up modern things in Christianity today. You already know what those things are. I'm talking about the classic tenets of faith. So when we talk about apologetics we simply mean this that can simply be defined as the defense of the Christian faith. I'm a defender of the faith. If I defend it, I got to know how to defend it. So I want to help you with that. First Peter 3.15. Ah, oh, man, we just need the power of God. Absolutely we do. But did you know the disciples throughout the book of Acts are arguing publicly before people? They are trying to convince people. I believe it's, it's Herod that said he, said, he said, you almost convinced me. Almost, but not quite. So there is, there, there is a place in a, and a tone, in a way that we need to bring our ideas to the marketplace. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. How often? Always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and give you the reason for the hope that you have. And listen, personal stories, personal testimonies are awesome. And those are evidential for you. And you need to have those also. But you also need to have things that are outside of you to, to support the case that, of, of what the Bible teaches us. And then he says this, but do this with gentleness and respect. So be tenderhearted. So let me establish a couple of realities. First of all, truth. There is truth. If there's no truth, our ideas, our philosophy, and our faith is just simply theoretical. We, are ju we just have a theory. We just have a hypothesis that God is real and that Jesus died from us and the Holy Spirit is poured, poured out and we're, what we're experiencing in the room is a placebo effect. If it is not true, then we're experiencing a lie, a fairy tale. Truth is important. The truth about truth is that it is true. <laughs> the truth about truth is that it is true. It's not, it's not, well, what might be true for me is not true for you. No, that's, that's relativism, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Either it's true or it's not true. The truth about truth is that it is true. The Christian faith is not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. Let me say that again. The Christian faith is not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. It's the best explanation for reality. It's not true because we grew up around it. It's not true because I got, I got Holy Ghost goosebumps during worship today. No, those things are happening because it's true. And those things are confirming that truth. And get this, the demonstration of our worship, and remember, Jesus called us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind. Right? So the demonstration of our worship involves truth. John 4, 23, this is core scripture for our church. It's the woman at the well. I'm not going to go deep into the story because of time. And Jesus makes a statement to her. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. I believe in 2022, 
that all over the earth right now, that God is looking for Christians that aren't just having a Holy Ghost experience. He wants that. But he's also looking for those that will equip up the, the loins of their mind and be ready to go to battle and to bring forth the truth of God's word, the truth of the reality of God. We, listen, we have the tools. We have the truth. Well, that's an exclusive, so which, which is true. Because you would say, well, that's, that's bold and arrogant. What are you saying? Is what, you saying, what you're saying could be bold and arrogant? It doesn't matter. It does matter how it's presented, but ultimately at the end of the day, truth is truth. So he says this, for, the, for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. They must worship him in spirit and truth. It's not an option. It's not an option for you just to be, oh, just, and look at people that are unspiritual whenever they are thinkers. This is kind of what we've done, and this is part of the reason why the charismatic church doesn't have very many Pentecostal, spirit-filled people. There's not very many thinkers in the church because we've said, well, you're not spiritual enough. Go with all the people that think. We need both. So we had this conversation. Someone was here. You guys know we, we take the word of God seriously. You know, I was raised in a, in a church that thought if the preacher didn't go up and preach, then you had a good service. Wasn't that weird? And we had a really good service, man. The Holy Ghost is moving. We're all blasted and drunk in the parking lot. Love all that. Love it. But if the truth doesn't go forth and all we have is experience, then, then there's a problem. So we value the word here, and I've spent a lot of time studying and prepping and archiving messages and all that stuff. Why? Because we want to equip you. So we had a person one time, they were visiting our church. It might have been someone that's still here. And Pastor Nathan, who's not with us today, but um, we were there, and we were talking there. Like, Man, I, I love how y'all, how the Holy Spirit is here, and you can experience the Lord, but there's always an emphasis. There's also an emphasis of the word. And then Nathan just said it, spirit and truth. I was like, yeah, way to go, mijo. You got the language for it. And it was like, so this, this, this term that Jesus gave us was highlighted that we are to be a church that is full of spirit but also full of truth. And they, they belong together. So, truth. Second thing is this. There's a myth that says love is all that matters. What does that even mean? First of all, that's, that's not true because money matters. <laughs> Your house matters. Love is all that matters. We don't need logic and arguments to defend our faith. We just need love. We'll just love people into the kingdom. That doesn't work. Because you can be just as quote-unquote loving as any other world religion, as any other atheist. You can be just as kind, and, 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 and that is not going to win people to Jesus. <laughs> With the difference between Christianity and the other religions of the world is this, is our gospel. It's not our works. It's not our deeds. It's our gospel. And our gospel provokes us to good works. Good works are not the gospel. If you Listen, you've got into works. If you think that your works can save someone, you've, you've got into the, the a wrong thinking that it's something that you can do could, that can lead somebody to the Lord. So to make that statement is an arrogant statement to say, well, I'll just love them into the kingdom. I'll just be so nice and so kind and so virtuous. They'll want to follow Jesus. You know, the, the, the old saying that says, Preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Great, but broken. You better be preaching the gospel all the time with your life. 
why wouldn't you? I mean, didn't Jesus change you? But it is not your life that transforms culture. It's the gospel. It's his life. And some would say, well, love is more important than truth. Is that true? Do you see how that's self-refuting? Love is more important. No. We don't need to use our mind to be persuasive or enter the debate. We just need to be nice to people and let the Holy Spirit do his work. You know how the Holy Spirit works? Through you. That's how the Holy Spirit, look at the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit, he just, one time, when he baptized in the Holy Spirit, he moved. And then after that, he was moving through people. So love may open the door, but knowing the truth is what sets people free. Knowing the truth is what sets people free from the words of Jesus, the one that we follow. So the third is this, is just mindsets and ideas. So as charismatics, you're saying that a lot, Pastor. Yes, absolutely, because I am a charismatic man. I am, I'm a proud Pentecostal, spirit-filled guy. Like, I, I love the gifts of the spirit, the moving of the spirit. I love all of that. And so what we think spiritual warfare is, is like yelling really loud or speaking in tongues a little bit, you know, adding words to our prayer language or, you know, praying for 45 minutes, you know, over a person and pulling out a trash can and having them vomit. Like that's kind of, these are kind of the things that we call spiritual warfare. I'm not against any of those things. I think all those things are great in a context. But listen, 2 Corinthians, what we use right here for spiritual warfare, 10-4, look at what it says. We use God's mighty weapons, not wep- not worldly weapons weapons to knock down the strongholds. And then he tells us what the strongholds are. Human reasoning. They're ideas. Strongholds are ideas. He said, where are the demons? The demons are in their ideas. This is why if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Human reasoning to destroy. Then he says this, false arguments. The arguments that are going on in your head. Is God worthy of my trust? So spiritual warfare has just as much to do with your thinking as it does your praying and your proclamation of the gospel. So there's this idea called postmodernism, okay? Now, much of this has has worked its way into the church. And within that framework is this idea called relativism. You all heard of that? Relativism, uh, Greg Kokel likes to say he has a teaching. He's called relativism feet. feet firmly planted in midair. In other words, they're not really planted. So relativism basically just says this, is that truth is relative. What's true for you might not be true for me. It's just, you know, and this is the message of the world. A lot of Christians think this way, right? And then there's this thing called moral relativism, which means everyone should act in accordance, not not according to what is right or wrong, but according to what culture says, well, if that was the case, if moral, moral relativism was true, then slavery would have never been abolished because in that culture it was totally okay. So you've got to have truth to set people free. In atheism, we know that. Atheism is the belief that there is no God. And then you have this breed of what, what are called the new atheists. New atheism has been around for like 20 years, not so new anymore. Really just old ideas. But there's these four horsemen. If you've ever, don't, don't read their books. Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, uh, who 
passed away a couple years ago. Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett. These guys are kind of like, they're, they're the guys that are kind of like, they, they're the chiefs. They're, they're the popes of the religion of new atheism is really what they are. And, and listen, religion isn't atheism. It is a belief system. Uh, and with these guys, it's really not so much about, they'll make statements like this. God is not real and I hate him. They'll make statements like that. Because it's really, it's driven by anger. It, 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 they, they accuse Christians of, of being immoral because we teach forgiveness and fairy tales and all this kind of stuff. They, so if there's an A for atheist, it would be angry. It's really driven by anger. It's really an attack on Christianity. It doesn't really present a clear case for atheism. And a lot of it is, is rooted in this idea called materialism. Are you all okay? Are we getting too heady? Um, so materialism is that, that the only... Things that are real are material. That's what materialism, I, I don't know, we think materialism is like, oh, you're all about money. Yeah, that's a different kind of materialism. We're talking about the, the philosophy of materialism is the only thing that really matters are, are thing, the things that you can see. I can't see God, therefore God does not exist. You can't see feelings, therefore feelings do not exist. You can't see love, therefore love, you can't actually see love, therefore it does not exist. Well, I can't see your brains. <laughs> Let's follow your reasoning. I can't see thoughts. Therefore, do you see how this falls apart very easy? So most of it is driven by anger or fear or frustration or because you had a bad experience when you were young. Ask people that don't believe in God, why don't you believe in God? And almost always, they will not give a reason. They'll give an experience. Right? So my reason is I had a bad experience in church. I had a preacher tell me something. I was talking to a guy. He's like, I don't know. I'm kind of an atheist, agnostic, whatever. And I, and I said, what happened? Why? It's a, just a good question. Just ask questions. It's not, all you got to do to navigate through this stuff is just ask questions. Don't, don't bring a bunch of answers. Just ask questions. People will talk themselves into it. And... Uh, so this guy told me, he's like, I just don't believe in God. And I was like, well, what happened? And he said, well, when I was eight years old, I was at a church, and this guy came up to me and told me I was the spawn of Satan. He was the pastor. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Well, it ruined his walk, his life. It ruined his life. So, there, so the atheists say, where is the evidence for God? And I, I want to give you a, a couple of things that will help you, okay? And we're, today we're talking really about the cosmos Next week, we're going to talk about the chaos. Why, if, if, God is, if God is good, then why is there suffering in the world? Which is a huge objection. So let me give you a couple of things. First of all is the cosmological argument, or the Kalam cosmological argument. And that's basically just cosmology is this, the study of the cosmos or the study of the universe. Cosmology. Say cosmology. Y'all okay today? Okay, we're, we're going to get there. It'll feel good in a minute. So basically, scientists tell us that the earth is about 13 to 14 billion years old. Not the earth, the universe. 13 to 14 billion years old. And then another nine, eight or nine billion years, the earth appeared, and the earth is about four and a half billion years old. And so they go, well, if it's old, that means that it's growing, right? That means that it started somewhere. Right? It doesn't just exist, it's, it's expanding. 
what caused it? That's the question, right? So everyone in the marketplace of ideas with a few radical strangies, everyone agrees that the universe had a beginning and that it's expanding. Christians, we believe the earth was, if you believe in a, I'm not going to say it's an ancient worldview because it's not necessarily an ancient worldview, but, but a lot of Christians believe that the earth is about 6,000 years old, just according to biblical record. If you take each solar day in the scripture, each day in the scriptures of the creation story, and you say that is one solar day, then you believe the earth is about 6,000 years old. However, I can get on board with that. And you could say, hey, in those 6,000 years, God, who is really old, created something that was really old. So that's not a problem for God. God. God doesn't have a problem making something young appear old because he took something old, <laughs> come on, and made me young. So God, God is good at this time thing because he is outside of it. Or you believe that, hey, the, the, the six days of creation are like time periods, and this would be a little bit more like scientific reasoning. And there's a, there's a great argument for both sides. We're not going to get in the, the details of which one's right. And, you know, some people will want to demonize you if you think, oh, we think a, a year was like a billion years. You know, a day was like a billion years. And people are like, well, you don't believe the Bible. No, no, they're just reading the Bible differently than you are, or they have a different understanding. That, that's something that we, the important question is this, what do you think about Jesus? <laughs> that's the question. Not, do you, not what do you think about the origins of the earth? What do you think about Jesus? That, that's, that's the question you got to get right. <laughs> And so wherever, wherever you land in that, I, I'm just okay with it. But what we do know this is that the earth is old, and the universe is old, and it is getting older. It's expanding. And so what we have and what, what science teaches us is this thing called the Big Bang Theory, right? We've heard that. The Big Bang Theory. There's a TV show, Big Bang Theory. It's this theory that there's big explosion in space. Nothing caused it. Just kind of happened by accident. The atheist would say, just an explosion. Listen, everybody, every worldview believes there was an explosion. There was a birthing. I believe there was an explosion. I believe God spoke. Greg Kokel says it this way, a big bang needs a big banger. And I love that. I love that quote. It's such a good quote. Like, how does it, does it just decide to bang one day? I'm nothing, nothing. Boom. Right? That doesn't happen. In order to, there must be things going on in order for, for that to happen. Did you know the, the sun is still exploding? The, the sun is an explosion that's being held together. <laughs> Don't want to discourage you from going outside, but <laughs> even if you stay inside, if that explosion is released, we're done. But because that explosion is happening, we're here. The most reasonable explanation of the Big Bang is that there is a Big Banger. Doesn't it seem more reasonable to say there's an explosion and someone lit the spark? Then it does to say just an explosion happened by accident. All these things kind of started happening and lining up and then boom, accident. And then there were all these little like little particles floating around, stardust, all the stardust from this explosion from a star and kind of kind of formed into a thing and materialism teaches this that we're just basically just stardust. That's all we are. Humans are just glorified stardust. Wow, that's inspirational. Well, I want to live with purpose now. I'm just stardust. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like that that's wrong? Why do I feel like there's more to life if I'm just matter? Listen, if we're just matter, we don't really matter. 
So the most reasonable explanation is that it was initiated by something or someone. And so this idea of evolution, which basically just means change over time. You change over time. You've evolved. As you get older, gentlemen, you evolve in this region, right? Especially if you don't put good things in your body, right? And there's two kinds of evolution. There's microevolution, small change over time. We can call it adaptation. Basically, dogs, all dogs share a common ancestor, right? Like a wolf and a chihuahua, hard to imagine, but they all have the same ancestor. I don't know, I think a chihuahua might be in the rat family, but... Sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I did. Listen, if evolution's true, yeah, they all came from the exact same thing. Macroevolution would mean drastic change, like dogs come from rocks. That's what the theory of evolution teaches, Darwinian evolution. And there's a difference between evolution and Darwinian evolution. One is to the micro, one is to the macro, right? One is rocks turning into dogs. The other is dogs growing longer hair to keep them warm in the winter. Do you see? Get this. Darwinian and what they're teaching, if they are teaching this in your kid's school, what they're teaching is a theory. It's not scientific. In fact, if you will dig through the details, you will do a Google search and you will start looking for evidence. The evidence is very, 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 very little. And it's all a stretch. It's vague. It's inconclusive. And, but, but the end of it is this, is the evolution cannot explain how or why. How did it happen? Oh, we don't know. It was an accident. We don't know why. So now you've got guys going, well, there's, there's multiple universes. Right? You all have heard the multiverse theory. It's not just on Marvel. There's like these multiple universes, and the, one of those universes created our universe. Okay, let's say that that's true. How did that universe get there? Another universe. Well, well somebody started the universes. Who started the universe? And Why? Some of these, I've actually seen debates where I, I believe it, it might have been uh, Daniel Dennett or Christopher Hitchens. It wasn't Christopher Hitchens. It was, uh, uh, gosh, one of those guys. But he was in this debate, and he goes, he was cornered into, like, the cosmology argument. He's like, well, where, where did it come from? And he goes, I don't know, maybe aliens. That sounds rational coming from a science with a scientist with a lot of letters before his name. Can I tell you today that you can trust science, but you can't always trust scientists, right? Just like you can't always trust, trust preachers, but you can trust the gospel, right? <laughs> Come on. Let's just, so take the Lord's word for it. All right. So this is, this is the deal. As believers, as theist, theism, those that believe in God, we have an answer. We have an answer. The answer is the non-physical God created a physical world. That seems more logical than nothing created something doesn't it? 
It seems more rational. It seems to take less faith to believe that someone created the earth than to say no one created it. The fact is that something can't come from nothing. Life cannot come from non-life. So a rational question for you to ask your atheist friends is how many sands, uh, how many pieces of sand, grains of sand are on the Kaban Islands of Hawaii? Why are you asking that? Well, because you just said that there is no God. It's a universal negative. In order to make that statement, there is no God, you've got to have absolute knowledge. You've got to know how many grains of sand, what's underneath the sand. You've got to know what's on the other side, on the interior of the sun. You've got to know what's inside of Mars. It's a universal negative. You've, you've, the universal negatives require universal knowledge. You don't go and get your mail. Do you all still check your mail? <laughs> okay. Mail? What's this? this is paper stuff they put in a box. They give you a key whenever you move into your apartment or house. And you go and you open that box and there's paper in there. You read it. It's not on a screen. It's really weird. But the best way to know, you, what if I told you it's like, I just went to my mailbox and there was this mysterious white thing with letters on it that I could read. It just appeared. No, you know it got there because there's a, there's a mailman. In fact, you know there's a mailman because there's mail. You might not see the mailman. You might catch him. You know, sometimes you're chasing him. Wait, I think there's a piece of my mail. You look at a building, you don't go, there's no builder here. It was a massive explosion on earth. <laughs> After billions of years, this building emerged. No, 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 no. Mail in the mailbox, building in the builder. Listen, the whole thing, this is called an axiom. It's a self-evident truth. Parallel lines don't meet. If they did, they weren't parallel. It's an axiom, self-evident. Romans 1, for since the creation of God's world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people were without excuse. So you say, God, you didn't give me enough evidence. <laughs> you're, you're sitting in it. You're walking on it. You're breathing it. Genesis 1. Here it is. Here's the big bang. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who created God? He doesn't need to be created. He's uncreated. He's outside of time and space. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, come on, was hovering over the waters, just like we were singing this morning. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. First thing that he creates is light. A sun. An explosion. And there was light. Why do you believe in God? Because he is the best explanation the way things are. So imagine, so NASA has these four robots that are patrolling Mars. It's pretty awesome. They're looking at Mars. Elon Musk has a Tesla that's on his way to Mars. I think it has got there yet. He's like, he's going to get there. I'm, I'm like, go, I'm going to Mars with Elon. <laughs> Come on, Elon, let's go. I think it takes like six to nine months to get to Mars. I don't know if I really want to waste that much time. So imagine these rovers, you know, rolling around. Elon Musk cruises on to Mars in his flying 
Tesla, electric, on space, and he runs upon a McDonald's. <laughs> first, first of all, first of all, he's going to be highly disappointed, right? And then, like, when I was telling this Leslie, then they're going to ask, does the ice cream machine work? <laughs> and it probably doesn't. What would immediately they say if they ran upon a McDonald's on Mars? Immediately they would go, there's intelligent life here. I mean, isn't that a reasonable explanation? They wouldn't go, look what evolved over time after this massive explosion. Look, it has letters on it. It says McDonald's. All of our pictures taste better than our food, right? Because the picture's always like, you ever get something from McDonald's and every time you open it up, you're disappointed? It's like every time, every time. Oh, it's got like concrete and stuff just appeared over time. Did you know that the universe is more finely tuned than McDonald's? Way more intricate, way more evolved. And we, we look at that and we go, it just happened. Ridiculous. Unreasonable. Not logical at all. The second is this. Get this. So the first is a cosmological argument. Everybody say cosmological argument. How do we get here? It's a great, great question to ask yourself. If you're dealing with doubt, ask someone else. The second is this, the design theory or the fine-tuning argument. Teleology. Everybody say teleology. Teleology is the fine-tuning of the universe in order to sustain life. Hold on. Teleology. You don't have to remember it. It's in your notes, in your app, on the website, all that stuff. Basically, what we believe in fine-tuning is this, that it was everything, it was created just like that McDonald's, created by a designer with a purpose in mind to serve mediocre hamburgers and not serve ice cream. Right? Created by a designer with purpose in mind. So the earth, let's look at the earth. You're here. And that dot is way bigger than the earth. You'd have to have the a grain of sand on there. But this is magnified, obviously. You're here. This is our solar system, right? This is the Milky Way. It's part of the galaxy we're in. This is our solar system. This is how little you are. Did you know that the Earth is, is designed and positioned in, in exactly the right distance from the sun to sustain life? If we were an inch closer, it'd be too hot. An inch further away, it'd be too cold. See, can people live on Mars? Yeah, but we got to do a lot of stuff to Mars to be able to sustain life. Because Mars wasn't created with life. It's all obvious. Nothing's there. Maybe a McDonald's one day. The, the physics of gravity. Study, study gravity. Again, the sun is this massive explosion that's being held together by laws. If there's laws, there's got to be a law giver. It's held together by this force. Jupiter's orbit and its 63 moons produce such gravitational pull that keeps the earth from being destroyed by meteors bigger than the earth. So you, you, look, you look at Jupiter and you go, man, that thing's huge, so big. Look at the mapping. You're like, oh, we're so small, there's Jupiter. It's protecting us. Someone put it in place to keep us from getting blasted from asteroids that are bigger than the Earth. The Earth has a 21% level of oxygen, which is perfect for our atmosphere. 
was any less, any more, we would not be able to survive. When you go outside today, it's cloudy. But sometimes when you go out and it's not super cloudy and you see those big old puffy clouds, those clouds weigh like 350,000 tons. I don't want to make you scared to go outside, but this is something we got to deal with. They're really heavy. And if you call the weatherman or the physicist guy or whatever you study, you'll find out there's just laws. There's something keeping them in place. There's a force. They use a lot of big words, and they lose you like in three seconds. You're like, what did he say? Okay, okay, now read on, (laughs) right? To think that that happened by accident is irrational. It's unreasonable. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare. The heavens are speaking. The heavens are echoing the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. The, the, the universe is speaking to me. <laughs> it kind of is, but it doesn't have its own voice. God is speaking. He's saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. I am holding it all together. I am the force behind it all. Think about your, the human body for a moment, the DNA that's in your body. Each, each, inside every cell, all this DNA, one, one single piece of DNA, one little thing, you've seen it before. I don't even know what, what do you call it, a strand. One little strand of DNA, if it's unwound, it'd be six foot, uh, six feet of information telling your body how to create protein, <laughs> which is like the building block of life. All in your DNA to the, to the tiniest little part of you. Did you know that if you took that DNA, the info that's inside of that DNA, and you wrote it out, that it would be long enough to wrap around our solar system twice, one strand? It looks like that you were designed by someone who has a whole lot of knowledge. It sounds like that you are created and fashioned in a way that your body can do incredible things. Get this, a man and a woman, a couple, can get together and create a child. And that woman's body can sustain that child's life for the nine months that it's in the womb and the first couple of years of its life. And we don't know how to do that. But someone who spoke a word and created Life inside of you that is able to bring forth life. Life can come from life. The human eye has 40 million nerve endings. 40 million. I don't know who counted that guy. (laughs) Don't blink. It's going to take a while. You'll probably die before I'm finished. 40 million 137 light-sensitive cells. Even Darwin, the monkey of a man, (laughs) says this in his theories. Again, their theories. He said, what should we say of the eye? Could have been formed by natural selection, which is Darwinian evolution. I confess that no language at first seems too strong to condemn the absurdity, absurdity of such a notion. Even he said to think of the human eye, that that just evolved by natural selection. That's absurd. 
See, we are designed, and if we are designed, we have purpose in mind. And beloved, this is what makes you valuable, is that you were designed. You matter, not because you're simply matter, but because you are, listen, the crown of his creation. You were the crown of God's creation. He created the heavens and the earth. Then he created us. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 4. He says, what is man? <laughs> Can you imagine just gazing up at the, at the universe? What is man that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them just a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned them of all the creation. Of all the cosmos that God created, he looked at man and he crowned us with glory and honor. He said, you made them ruler over the works of his hand. All that God created, he said, here you go. It's here. I want you to take care of it. It's mine, but I'm putting you in charge and put everything under their feet. So I was exploring the NASA website which is a pretty common thing for me to do, as you can imagine. You know, every time I get a minute, I'm on the NASA website. I'm not really doing that. But this week I was. This week I was on the NASA website. And I found out that as, as, as they've dug into, I don't even know how they do this. Like, where you get it? And like, how do you get it? Like, they're just looking at these pictures. And they've, they started studying, like, the, the, the beginnings, the origins genesis of of the universe and they they the, what they found are these things that that were there holding and ordering the explosions are these things called baryon acoustic oscillations it's a big word i told leslie that last night i said baryon acoustic oscillations and then i was like hold on i need to take a nap <laughs> it's like a bear, <laughs> right? So I'm studying this baryon acoustic oscillations. What is that word acoustic? Acoustics have to do with sound. And so after this explosion, this sound comes together. Did you know that atom, the, the molecules, they've got protons and neutrons and electrons, all this trons. Megatron. <laughs> They're all in firing off in these atoms, the little bitty atoms. What is, what is holding the atom together? Energy. And if you, you pull it out just like these BAOs, because I'm going to try to say it again, all of it is being held together by Vibrations. God spoke. If you look at it on a, on a screen, it looks like sound waves. God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. And then he looked at man who he spoke into existence, and he breathed. And he breathed life. What is causing those vibrations that continue, I believe, 
It's the eternal word of God that spoke then and is speaking now. And it was echoing through the universe. And he's saying, this is who I am. And this is who you are. Creation is the echoing sound, the resonating voice of God that created all and is still holding all together. See, the God who is spirit in material spoke his word and created material and breathed his spirit into the crown of his creation. Human beings, those of whom were made in his likeness. In Jesus, John chapter 1 I'm finishing up. In the beginning was the Word. The Word had already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything He created, that was created. And He brought light, here it is, to everyone. And that light shines. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. So when Jesus shows up, he says, I am the light of the world. Boom. I was the light in the beginning. I am the light now. I am the light in your darkness. I am the light in your shame. I am the light in your secrets. I am real. I am tangible. I am exposing the darkness, and the darkness will never put it out. Light penetrates darkness. Darkness can't penetrate light. Will you just stand up today? Listen, the darkness that sneaks in and tells you that you're less than valuable. God says, look at all I created, and look at you whom I've created Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and save that which was lost. And in the garden that day, we gave up a little bit of our glory. We gave up a little bit of our original design, our intention. And when Jesus shows up, he says, here I am to reclaim it. Here I am to bring light again because that's what the Word does. The Word eliminates darkness. In the beginning, it was dark. God spoke and it was light. And the world was dark and the world was burdened and the world was hopeless. And Jesus comes and he brings light. He brings light. He chose James 118, he chose to give birth to us, the rebirth, the supernatural rebirth. By giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became not just his crown creation, but his prize possession. <laughs>